Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. Another listener question episode. I thank sponsors, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, ComC.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Huggins and Scott, Heritage Auctions, Tops, Upper Deck, and Panini. First question from John Keating, who frequently has had his own Keating question episodes, but just have a couple from John this time. Thanks, John. He's asking, was there any contemplation on your part about the transfer of your ungraded cards that were submitted from the old Beckett headquarters to the new facility, which has happened just in the last month? He says, I assume all incoming packages get opened and placed into bins and placed in the queue for grading. Seems like the opportunity for loss and damage increases tremendously. My point exactly, John. So I discussed that with Jeremy and I said, I'd like to get my cards back that I've had there for a while. I'd like to get them before the move because exactly what John said. So we're thinking alike. Let me just give a shout out. The guys on the Beckett team that handle the move are the same guys we had that I hired who are tremendous. Okay. They're just, they're really solid. They're honest. They're hardworking and they understand. So it's not their first rodeo and uh, I've trusted them before personally and I trust them now. So <laughs> I let it ride, John. My cards are still somewhere there in these bins you're talking about. I assume my incoming package is opened because I mail them. I take them over there and I guess they're in bins somewhere. Now they have a lot more room to put them. So they're in the queue somewhere. I'm going over actually, gosh, as you listen to this, I'm going over today. And I'm supposed to pick up some, not all, but some. And I'm looking forward to that because it's just great to get cards that you haven't seen for a while. Even whether I'm disappointed or not on the grades or encouraged, I'm going to get my cards back, a bunch of them. And apparently at least those are not lost or misplaced. Question number two about my fun interviews I had with Clemente Lisi, the journalism professor who loves soccer cards and has written the book about the World Cup. And this is from 1P4G just commenting through YouTube. He says, all he buys is soccer. That MLS is the fastest growing league in the world. More TV every year. New contracts for overseas countries. World Cup coming in four years. MLS will overtake the NBA in popularity then in the U.S. I, I disagree. I'm hard-pressed to think the MLS is going to be the best league in the world. I think the MLS may keep getting better, but I just think soccer is such an international game that it may be that these other European leagues and English leagues will be... MLS does not need to overtake these others in order for soccer to be wildly more popular. So I don't think that's considered as good a league. And until it is, and it may never be... Well, anyway, my last point about that is you mentioned by name an MLS 2022 rookie as the best card to speculate on. Don't tell other people who you're prospecting, at least until you're done. That's just not wise. If you do the research and you think this guy is going to be great, then just buy up the cards. Don't tell everybody, hey, you ought to buy up these cards. You're just driving up your own price. So I'm not going to out you on that. Just go for it. You're betting. And again, not everybody is, as we've seen with the baseball young guys, sign a big contract. And that's sometimes that's not the beginning of the end, but sometimes they peak when they sign the contract. Number three, this is from Ben, and he mentioned, he said, are you still looking for some part-time help? But he didn't say that. He said, if you're still looking for some part-time remote help, I am interested. I'm interested in help, but I don't think I can use remote help, Ben. I'm fascinated with your background. You say you're currently enrolled in a PhD program, and you're on YouTube, ComC, eBay. It sounds like you got a great... If you lived in Dallas, 
that'd be fabulous, but I really don't have a lot of remote work. I'm not sure I need it. Local, yes, I do need it. Because mainly it's the tangible, I'm not going to ship you cards to sort and alphabetized or prep for eBay. I'm doing it here. I've got a few guys that come over and do that sometimes, and I pay them in cards. And says, you're at Phillies, Dick Allen. I got a bunch of those. If you lived here, I'd pay you in cards or whatever, and uh, we'd have a good time. Sounds like we have some things in common. Appreciate your uh, comment, your question. Number four from Ben Bram, who's been on before, mentioning he, he always sends me these photos, and there's photos of postcards. And he said that he was looking through some postcards, and he found two that I might like, Manny Moda and Matty Alou. And I got to tell you, Ben, you're reading my mail, but we've corresponded before. They're not Roberto Clemente, but they're two famous pirate hitters, both known for things that connect to me. They were two of my hitting heroes in that Matty Alou was a slap hitter, place hitter, and Manny Moda was one of the preeminent pitch hitters of all time. And so I've taken both of those to my golf game because I'm not a big power hitter, but I'm a place hitter. And I've tried to teach myself how Manny Moda to just step up, hit the ball, no warm up. And again, just an uncanny kind of thing. So they're two of my favorites. He says when he flips over the postcards that they have a Buck Barker stamp on the back. And he thinks that they were either taken in Bush Stadium or Crosley Field. Buck Barker lived in St. Louis, so if Buck took them, I don't know that Buck took them, although they're grainy to where they look like they may have been taken by somebody that wasn't a professional photographer. So it could have been Buck Barker. It would have been Bush Stadium, but I don't think so. They look a little bit like it might have been, but thanks to that. And then lastly, he's clearing up the mix-up about the doppelganger, the guy that looked like me that he thought he saw at the National holding a bat. And he has made, well, he told me he found a picture of the other guy and he said, I'm not going to out my doppelganger, but I will promise you, Ben, next year at the National in Chicago, my doppelganger works for one of the auction houses. I'm going to meet with him and I'm going to make sure Ben is there too. We're going to get a selfie with the three of us and that'll be fine. So it'll be the end of a story and maybe I can publish that in some social media sense so that people can see whether Ben is crazy or I'm crazy, or there's two of me out there. Next question from John Keating again. And he was commenting on Ziggy Nose interview where he started talking about the breaks. And he just says, keep in mind that those who participate in breaks do get something in return. And he said that presumably negates a gambling distinction. I don't know any of any breaks where there is zero return. Not return on investment, just any return at all, such as base cards. So you pay your money and you get something. But what if that something had negative value, John? And you're a thinker, and Ziggy and I did not get into that, but cards could have zero value. In fact, because they just leave them behind, or they could actually have negative value. I've found that when I bought a card from a dollar box and then go to put it on Com C and the card is, is selling for 49 cents on Com C and it costs 50 cents to list it there, that has negative value. All of a sudden that card has negative value on that platform. And same thing. If I thought these cards are not worth very much, I'm going to take them to a card show and I'm going to sell them for a quarter a piece. If you sell cards for a quarter a piece, Unless you're selling a whole bunch of them, that didn't pay for your gas to get to the show or to the LCS. So it might be that you'd lose money. And I don't know if you'd make that, if there'd be a plaintiff attorney that would uh, attack that, but there really could be zero return in any meaningful sense. And that could be a problem if somebody got, got upset. For example, think it's not worth the postage. It's not worth the gas. So it's in effect worth zero or perhaps even negative. That's a scary thought. Not suggesting that, just a counter way to think of it. Number six, Ben Bram again. And he was commenting, I'm not going to say which one he commented on because it would be a comment against the person that was the episode. He said, Ben's feeling is that if someone 
is transparent, they shouldn't have to tell you they're being transparent. <laughs> and he said he's pretty transparent, but it's mainly because I don't get enough sun. And I think you mean translucent. He just says he tends to be less trusting of someone who needs to reaffirm their honesty. Ben, I think you're right. I think there's too much money involved sometimes to think that you would throw caution in the wind and if somebody tells you they're honest, and then you want to think they're innocent until proven guilty. But if there's very much money involved, it's caveat emptor, and you got to check references. And uh, transparency, there's levels of transparency. You can be transparent up to a degree, but withhold one key fact. And again, good point, Ben. Last question from Mike through my pod page a website. said, fan of the show, fan of the magazine when I was a kid. He said, I'm at the point where I want to buy collections, but I have no idea how to go about finding bulk new cards. A couple things. One, it's cool to buy collections, but that's broad. I think you really need to think, what's my lane? Narrow that down a little bit. If you're able to tell your friends, I'm looking to buy collection, what sport, what years, maybe what players. But if you want to just buy the whole collection, you're going to get some good stuff and some bad stuff. The problem isn't where to find them. It's how to know how much to pay and how to deal with it once you get it. What I've learned, and because I've bought some collections recently, is that I've really educated myself on the newer stuff, which is a lot of what's for sale, by going through the dollar boxes. If it's in the dollar box, it's not very good. Okay, If it's in the quarter box, it's even worse. And so if somebody offers you a collection that's stuff that would otherwise go in the quarter box or the dollar box, you can't pay big bucks for that. So if you tell your friends, let people know what your sweet spot is, your favorite players, your favorite teams, your favorite sports, Facebook, Instagram, Craigslist, estate sales, card shows, port sales on ComC. I've got a guy that brings me a monster box every show because I used to buy cards from him. I'd go through his boxes and then he'd said, instead of doing that, why don't I just, I know I can tell what you're looking for. And so I'm just going to put in a box and I'll give you a price and it's take it or leave it. And it's a discount because I'm taking it all. And he doesn't have to worry about people going through his stuff. He knows what I'm going to take. I don't love everything there, but there's enough in there that it's fun for me to go through. So that's a situation where I don't have to find the new cards. They're finding me. Like I said, I was at the show and the guy comes up and he said, hey, you need to buy my table. You need to buy my dollar boxes. Buy me out. I said, I don't want to. I want to go home. (laughs) He made me an offer that I couldn't refuse. You want to be in that situation where people are coming to you and saying, hey, I hear you buy cards. Would you be interested in my collection? I did that on the buying trips with putting ads in the paper almost 50 years ago. But nowadays, people have lots of options to sell their cards. If you can make a personal collection through some social media and let your friends and relatives know you want to buy cards, you might get some good deals. But you've got to know enough about what you're looking for to know that it is a good deal. You don't want to overpay. You don't want to drastically underpay either, but you for sure don't want to overpay because there's cost of transaction. There's a lot of labor involved. Because a lot of times what people want to sell is what they want to get rid of. And so if it's a bunch of new cards, they've already pulled out the big hits and you're going to get the stuff they haven't sold. Be careful, Mike, but I think it's a great way to get involved in the hobby. A lot of fun going through a box of cards you haven't seen. And if a third of them are terrible and a third of them are interesting and a third of them are good, you just need to pay accordingly and figure out a way to transact them that you can hopefully get your money back. It wouldn't be very much fun for me if I wasn't buying collections to where I could put away stuff that I want for my own collection and then sell the rest and get the money back that I paid. So I really want to be self-sustaining. I don't have to be, but it's more fun for me. And I want that for you too, Mike. Thanks for your inquiry. 
You mentioned you're Boston-based. There's no bad areas in the country, I don't think. The singles club guys are in Dakota, so it doesn't matter how many people are there. If people know that you're interested in buying cards, then there's some collections out there to be bought. Thanks again. See you all tomorrow or next week, I guess it is. And uh, have a, I got a little bit congested here, so I will see you on Monday, and thanks again. Bye-bye. The man